And we are glad to, to be able to, to share with you this uh, today and for your month of missions about the country of Bangladesh and our ministry there, and also from God's Word. And uh, does anybody remember us being here uh, when Pastor Schroyer was here in 1970 or something like that? <laughs> you weren't born yet? Okay, that's all right. So, <laughs> how was it? Am I that old, Shirley? I don't know, man. I, that's all, I don't know. It must be. <laughs> But that's when we began our pre-field ministry, it was 1970. We were appointed by ABW missionary, as ABW missionaries in 1969. And when we began our, our ministry uh, of raising funds to go to Bangladesh at that time, it was East Pakistan at that time, when we were raising our money to go there, uh, God led me to a passage of Scripture that I want to share with you this morning. It's 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and beginning... At verse 12, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 12, we are not again commending ourselves to you, but are giving you an occasion to be proud of us so that you will have an answer for those who take pride in appearance and not in heart. For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. If we are of sound mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ controls us, having concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died. And he died for all, so that they who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. Therefore, from now on, we recognize no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh. Yet now we know him in this way no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature, the old things passed away, behold, new things have come. Now all, the, all these things are from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave him the ministry of reconciliation, namely that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Therefore we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were making an appeal through us, we beg you, on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf, so that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. And working together with him, we also urge you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, at the acceptable time, I listened to you. And on the day of salvation, I helped you. Behold, now is the acceptable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. When we began our pre-field ministry so many years ago, I, I wanted a passage of Scripture that would help me and also challenge the people that listen to us in our desire to go to Bangladesh and God led me to this passage of Scripture in 2 Corinthians. If you look at the book of 2 Corinthians, it's about Paul's defense of his ministry. Uh, throughout this book, he's defending himself that he was preaching the gospel. He wasn't like these other hustlers and these other guys that were just doing it for money and changing uh, the gospel, but he was there preaching the truth. 
And so he wanted people to know that. And he's defending himself. But when he gets to this section of his letter, we see that he is really moved talking about Jesus Christ. It's so neat that we were able to have the Lord's Supper this morning because it just goes with the section that I'm, I'm reading about. And he was so moved about what Christ had done for him. He says in verse 14, For the love of Christ controls us, constrains us, compels us. Having concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died And he died for all so that they who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. And when I looked at this passage of Scripture, one of the things that came to mind in my life was I had never been out of the United States. And God was calling me to a country called East Pakistan to minister his word in that country. And how in the world could I love those people in that country which we call now Bangladesh? What would motivate me to even go there and even share with these people? And this passage of Scripture hit me so hard that it was the love of Christ that constrains us. When I was at... Tennessee Temple, back in the the 60s, um, I had a teacher in my Western Civilization class who had been a missionary in Brazil. Maybe you know Jim, um, Jim, what's his name? Jim Wilson. I can't think of his name. Jim. Um, he, uh, He couldn't teach Western Civilization without talking about missions. And I thought, I wasn't even interested in missions. But when he would talk about missions, he got me so interested in I would sit after class and talk to him about this. And I began to think, would God want me to be a missionary? And as I thought about it and prayed about it, God began to really work in my heart that that's what he wanted me to do. But as a missionary, where do you go to be a missionary? I mean, there's so many countries out there. I thought, well, maybe Spain would be nice. But I never dreamed of a country called East Pakistan. And a missionary came to one of our mission conferences at Tennessee Temple. And he preached about East Pakistan and the need that was there in East Pakistan. And I thought, whoa, he's the only missionary in East Pakistan. He needs some help. And so... (laughs) Uh, I found out that he wasn't the only missionary. He was with another mission agency, and I found that ABWE was there. And uh, somebody said, well, why don't you talk to those guys? They really know what they're doing. So I, uh, I talked to them about, about missions and uh, East Pakistan. Well, as I continued to pray, I was still interested in Spain, but did I really want to go to East Pakistan? And then the next missionary conference, another missionary, another man from ABWE came, and he showed slides of Asia and the ministry of ABWE in Asia. And he started in the Philippines, went to Hong Kong, went to Japan, and then he finished up in East Pakistan. And as he was showing the slides of East Pakistan, he came to the very end of his slides, and he was talking about the tribal work in East Pakistan. 
And the very last slide that he showed was a locked door at the Hebron Jungle Station with nobody there to work. And I don't know if you've ever experienced it, but as soon as I saw that picture, as soon as I heard those words, I knew where I was going. I mean, it was that. It was just like that. I knew where I was going. And I was going to go there. And uh, God laid that on my heart. And so I applied to ABWE as a single fellow. I was going to go to East Pakistan by myself and uh, just go there. But then when I got to candidate class, there were eight single girls there. (laughs) One was already engaged to be married, but well, well, and the first girl that I met, I was driving into the candidate program at Clark Summit. I was driving in, and this car, this little Volkswagen. I was with my mom and dad. I didn't have a car. So my mom and dad were dropping me off in this little car, a Volkswagen, come flying up behind me. And this girl jumped out. And she says, hiya. Is that what you said? I mean, you know, she was chasing me into the... the she, so, so I met Shirley... The first person I met there, I met Shirley, and I thought, well, I wonder what the other girls are like, you know. So, so, but uh, uh, it's amazing how God brought us together there at Kennedy because Shirley's uh, a trained nurse and midwife. She grew up in the Seattle area. She was born in Shelton, Washington. I'm from Philadelphia, and uh, that's 3,000 miles apart. And uh, you know, Horace Greeley said, go west, young man. So I went as far as I could, <laughs> and the Lord gave me a, a, a wonderful wife. It was, it was just amazing how God brought us together at candidate class. And the amazing thing was that he wanted us, we were both thinking of serving at that jungle station at Hebron. And the question was, when we were thinking about it, um, as a single fellow, would they let me go? As a single girl, would they let her go? And uh, that was a question, but God answered that question when he brought us together. Because Shirley asked me to marry him, her. How fast was that? <laughs> I just, I get, she always says I get these stories mixed up somehow. And so I don't know. But anyway, um, it was amazing. We were only together. We were at candidate class for four weeks, and we kind of started to get to know each other for about two and a half weeks near the end. And so when I got appointed, and she got appointed by ABWE, I asked her to marry me. And uh, we got married uh, uh, six months later in uh, Seattle, Washington. And we began our, uh, our pre-field ministry a week after we got married. I asked Pastor Bong at Bible Baptist if I could preach the next day after I got married. And he says, you won't be ready, George. He said, so <laughs> I had to wait a whole week to get started, but uh, we, that's what we did, and uh, God has just been so wonderful to us to give us the opportunity uh, to, to serve him in Bangladesh, and you know what the exciting thing was when we unlocked that door at Hebron, and I'll never forget that. The reason that door was locked was because two missionary men that had worked there died out there. Paul Miller, and Harry Gehring. And when I heard that story about them giving their lives for the Lord, 
I, I knew that's the place I wanted to be, to, you know, to fill that gap. And uh, God led us there. And when you read this passage of Scripture that Paul's written, for the love of Christ controls us or constrains us or compels us, that's a moving passage of Scripture. And it's something that continues to, to motivate me as a, as a missionary because when we look at this passage of Scripture, it says the love of Christ. And we celebrated the love of Christ this morning, didn't we? How much he loved us. That he was willing to give his life for us, to shed his blood for us, that he might save us from our sins. And not only to do that, but to rise again and be the living Lord. And he's coming back for us. That's exciting. And Christ did that for us, Romans 5, 8. It says, God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And that's exciting to know. And we all know John 3.16. Uh, last night, um, Charlotte asked me, can you say a verse of scripture in Bengali for us? And I said, well, you know, everybody says John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. But I said, I don't like to do that. Because everybody says, I'll say Romans 6.23 for you. Well, one time we were in a church, and they asked me to do that. And I said, I'm going to say Romans 6.23 for you. And so I started off. And all of a sudden, my wife says, that's wrong. (laughs) So would you know if I said it right or wrong? Nobody else in that church knew what I was saying. She could have let me slide by. Because <laughs> I, was, I wasn't saying Romans 6.23. I was saying John 3.16. <laughs> and they both start off with the same words, and it just kind of ties together that way. But, you know, when you think of John 3.16, for God so loved, Karoni Shurjogotke. Now, Laurel said, now, why did you use your hands? Can you say it without using your hands, right? But it's, a beaut- it's just as beautiful in Bengali as it is in English that Christ loved us and gave his life for us. And it says here, for the love of Christ can controls us having concluded this that one died for all therefore all died and he died for all so that they who live might no longer live for themselves but for him who died and rose again on their behalf he died for me he died for you and he also died for the Bangladeshi people and that's one thing I had to learn that Christ died for them also not just for the Americans or the Europeans, but for the Bangladeshi people. And as I was thinking about this, uh, he died for them and he loves them. Can I have that same love for them? Can I love those Bengali peoples as much as God loves them, as much as Jesus loves them and died for them? And then when you think about it, you're going into a country that is 85% Muslim, 14% Hindu, and about a little less than 1% Buddhist. And these people 
have no idea about who the true God is. And when you think there's only one-tenth of one percent Christian, whatever they call it, and I mentioned this in Sunday school, Christ loves these people, and he wants them to come to him for their Savior. Can I love them? Can I share the gospel with them? And you know, it's so exciting to see a Bengali come to know Jesus Christ as Savior. Not that it's not exciting to see an American come to Christ, but to see a man come out of Islam and trust Christ as his own personal Savior, like Tahir Chaudhry, and to see what he has to go through to be a believer in Jesus Christ, to be kicked out of his family, not to have a home to go to, to suffer like that, to be beaten, to be, to be wanted to be beaten by the people of his area because he became a Christian, to see Tahir Chaudhry like that and see what God is doing with his life in, the, in Bangladesh today as he is diligently serving the Lord. He was with us last year. He came over to visit in, in the United States, but went back doing translation work, writing songs, preaching, has a ministry to other Muslims. To see his life changed by Christ, it's exciting to see that he came to Christ. And how about Joytendro, the Hindu man, who was hardly ever educated, but picked up a tract with the Gospel of John in it and took it home and read it and found a missionary and came and asked him about it and trusted Christ. He went back to his Hindu area and began to share the Gospel there. Because he became a Christian, the other Hindus would put Kalmanor on his doorstep and embarrass him. And he suffered a lot for that. But you know, because of Jatindra, he's in heaven today. There are four churches in that area because of his ministry to those people. And the people loved Jatindra. How about Shailindra, the Buddhist? This boy was such a naughty boy. He was at Hebron where we were always getting in trouble. And then when the government closed that area for us and we had to leave to go to Chittagong, he came to Chittagong because he was escaping (laughs) because they wanted to beat him up or do something because he had been so bad. And he came to Chittagong and found me and I had the opportunity of leading Shalindra to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And today he's working in the hill tracks among one of the tribal groups teaching uh, boys and girls in the village just learn how to read and write. Married a Christian girl. And we were with them just last time we were out there. And it was so exciting to see their relationship, to see what they were doing for the Lord. And then there's Gonejon Tipura. This man was one of the, from one of the tribal groups. And he got saved. He had a Christian background, but he got saved. And when he got saved, God changed his life. And this man would trek the hills of Bangladesh and teach and preach. He became the pastor of one of our Bengali churches. And God uses this tribal man who was very well educated and at a very young age went to be with the Lord. It was sad to meet, miss, we really miss Gonejon. And they were to see all these people coming to Christ out of all these different backgrounds. It's exciting to see that. And there, you know, you go there and, and you try to help and then you try to teach them. But you know what's so sad for us?
for all the years we worked at Hebron, I think we saw maybe a dozen people come to know the Lord. And about half of them already passed away. And our hearts, even today, all these years later, beat for these people because they didn't come, became, became so close to them. It was unbelievable. They were just like family, the people there. I'd go fishing with them. I'd go hunting with them, do all this stuff with them. And yet, they were the ones that didn't want to hear the gospel. When we got, when the government asked us to leave Hebron, one of the old men came up to me and he said, Mr. Weber, the light is leaving us. And I said, I said, Romney, I said, Romney, you need to come to Christ. And uh, amazingly, I heard many years later that he did make a profession of faith in Christ. But that was an experience. And what it says here in this passage of Scripture, it says, For the love of Christ controls us. Having concluded this, one died for all, therefore all died, and he died for all, so that they who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again for on our behalf. And so, living for Christ. That is so important that each of us live for Christ. And Paul gets a little personal in verses 16 and 17. He says, therefore, from now on, We recognize no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh. And Paul knew Christ. He was out to destroy the people that believed in him. He knew all about Jesus. He knew him after the flesh, but he didn't know him after the spirit. And we've seen that in Bangladesh too, how many people know about Christ They don't want to have anything to do with them. In fact, one of my Buddhist friends said, I don't need your Christ. You know, I have my religion. And so there are people like that. But we all, at one time, I think, knew Christ after the flesh, didn't we? And there may be somebody here right now that knows him after the flesh and doesn't know him after the the spirit. But then when Paul says here, he says, we've known him after us, yet now we know him in this way no longer. So when Paul came to Christ, it changed his life, and Christ changes our lives. He, changed, he turns us around. Because it says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And so it changes our lives. We're a new creation in Christ. Do you know him? as your own personal Savior? Have you trusted him as your Savior? Do you have that new life in you? Have you turned your life over to him? And that's what Paul was saying here in this passage of Scripture. There's so much in Christ. In verses 18 to 20, he says, Now all these things are from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, namely that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were making an appeal through us. We beg you, on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Not only is Christ's compelling love moving us, but it's the compelling 
commission that he's given to us to preach the gospel. Because he says in, in, in verse 18, he says he's given us the ministry of reconciliation. Isn't that a neat word? you know what it means? <laughs> it, it means that we were enemies of God. And now we've been reconciled to God through Christ Jesus. In fact, even in this section here, there are... But there are several doctrines, really. There's the doctrine of redemption and atonement, regeneration, reconciliation, and even sanctification. Aren't they neat words? I mean, we don't use them very much, but we know they're doctrines. But they're truths that are here. And each one has a special meaning in that we are redeemed. We're bought with a price from Jesus, for, by Jesus Christ. We're reconciled to God. We're, you know, we're no longer enemies of God. We're brought back into his, in fellowship with God. And we are changed. We have a change in our life, being born again through regeneration. And we're set apart for God through his sanctification. We were enemies of God, but now we're in his family. We're his. And he's given us the word of reconciliation. That's this book the Bible. This is the word of reconciliation. We have the ministry of reconciliation, but we have the word of reconciliation so that we can share it with others. How many Bible translations do we have in the United States? (laughs) I'm using the NASB right now, and there's the KJV and the new KJV and et cetera, et cetera, right? There's so many translations you know, when I went to Bangladesh, there was only one translation of the Bible done by William Carey. And that's an old Bible. It's an old Bengali language. And so one of our missionaries was led of the Lord to translate the Bible into what we might say is like an NIV style. It's a common language Bible. And we now have that Bible in Bangladesh. Two Bibles. And then Dr. Vic Olson took that translation and put it into what is called Musulmani Bengali. That's just for the Muslim population. And so we have those three Bibles in in Bangladesh right now. And we have that and we share that. It's important that we use the Word of God in our preaching and our teaching there. And we do teach the Word of God there, the Gospel of Reconciliation. And he's given us the message of reconciliation, and that's Christ, isn't it? Everything is in Christ, Jesus, our Lord. And what's the message? He says it in verse 20, be reconciled to God. Be reconciled to God. You're a sinner. You're an enemy of God. Be reconciled to him through Jesus Christ. He's the one that can do it. It's interesting that he says in verse 20, therefore we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were making appeal through us. We represent Christ, not only in Bangladesh, but wherever we are. We are a representative of Christ. Isn't it neat that in your bulletin, you ever read your bulletin? It says here, First Baptist Church of Ferndale exists to glorify God by helping people find peace and purpose through a relationship with God. 2 Corinthians 5.20. So I guess you have a ministry of reconciliation here, right? 
that you are ambassadors for Christ in this area. I thought that was really neat. Thank you, Lord, for giving me this passage of Scripture to preach from today. Maybe I'll get some good points here, you know. Maybe, uh, maybe our honorarium will go up. I don't know, uh, something like that. But anyway, now, we, uh, we are representatives of Christ. We share the message of peace, of being reconciled to God. And, you know, that's the job of an ambassador is, the, is to go to another country representing his country so that there's peace between the countries, that they can work together. And that's the idea of being an ambassador for Christ is that we go to other people so that they can be reconciled to God and have that peace that passes all understanding. And so in verse 20, again, we see the compelling appeal. And he says to them, he says in verse 20, he says, making an appeal through us. And in verse 1 of chapter 6, he says, we also urge you not to receive the grace of God in vain. And then in verse 2, it says, behold, now is the accepted time. There's an urgency here. There's a compelling appeal to be reconciled to God. Paul implores his readers to be reconciled to God. He pleads with them. He says, now's the accepted time. And so that's the message that we carry to a country like Bangladesh. We do it in so many different ways to be able to share the gospel there. There's a lot of things you have to learn, a lot of things you have to go through. But still, we do that. But yet, that's the same message for here in the United States, isn't it? It's the exact same message. And Paul would be pleading with us and urging us to do the same thing with his message. And I would just ask the question again, have you accepted this message? Because it says at the end, now is the acceptable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. We're going to be going back to Bangladesh in October. In October, it is October, isn't it? On October uh, 21st, we fly out of Seattle at 1 o'clock in the morning. You'll all be asleep and enjoying your sleep while we're getting on a plane and uh, going there for five months. And mainly what we do there in Bangladesh right now is to uh, just build up the Christian community. I'll be teaching a Bible course on the book of Second Corinthians. I'll be speaking at three different pastors' conferences. And uh, Shirley helps with translation work. She does a lot of checking on that, works with ladies and girls. Uh, we're looking forward to this time. And so, you know, when people retire, some people retire to go collect shells, you know, on the, on the beach and stuff like that and do all kinds of things that they can enjoy. But it's been too exciting to be a missionary to retire until the Lord stops us. And so we're willing to go back and serve him there. But I would just ask you to pray for us that as we go that God would use us in a special way. We have a email thing that you can, paper that you can sign up over there. We have some prayer cards. You can use the prayer cards in a lot of different ways. They keep rodents out of the house and they, they can be put on dartboards, you know, for target practice and, uh, and any way you want. Or you can pray for us. You can use them to pray for us. But anyway, this is a, a great message in Second Corinthians 5 that I wanted to share with you. It's one we started off with 
And, and then we've never used until uh, this time. I've hardly ever used it. I, I just wanted to use it because I was thinking of our first time here in our beginning ministry, and I thought, that's the message i got to share with these people, that we have uh, the compelling love of Christ, and we have that uh, compelling commission to, to go and tell others, but, and we have that compelling appeal, be reconciled to God. Have you been reconciled to God? Let's bow in a word of prayer. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. We thank you so much for the opportunity to be here. And we thank you so much that uh, this uh, church is so faithful in supporting missionaries around the world, especially uh, John Shorkar, who's working in Bangladesh. We just thank you for their participation in, in, in serving you and helping others to serve you. We pray that you will use this church to continue to get the gospel out. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.